my name is Alice. Welcome to Rewatch, a short series where we revisit the billion-dollar zombie movie franchise, Resident Evil. My name is Andrew, and I have watched every movie and played every game in the series. And my name is Eric, and I've only watched the movies and never played the games. That's that's the that's the whole conceit of the show. If you if you haven't been listening thus far, that's that's the hook, guys. That's it. I don't know why, if you haven't been listening, you decided to jump in on this one. Maybe this is your favorite film. I don't know. Yeah, I get is that. Is that possible for this to be someone's favorite film, Eric? Every film is somebody's favorite film, Andrew. <sighs> you know. It's, it's disturbing, it's, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when you think about some of the films out there. Yeah. Like somebody's favorite film is the Dan Aykroyd vehicle, Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> wow. Just the fact that you described it as a vehicle uh, says yeah. everything I need to know about well, the Well, I'm pretty sure that is all Dan Aykroyd <laughs> all the way. So <laughs> We're going, it's the full Aykroyd, as it were. Uh-huh. Oh, have you seen the film? It's definitely the full Aykroyd. <laughs> I have not seen it. So oh, boy. I guess I shouldn't at this, or maybe I, I should. I don't know. I, I had to watch it for a different podcast. Now, I, I was already familiar with the film, but mm. I, would, I would love on a separate project to get your reaction to that movie. I could do that. I, you know, <laughs> we, we, we do these lo- uh, long kind of structured situations, and really my thought is now, just like in, in life, is like, how could we shorten this? How could we make it bite size? you know? <laughs> So if we did like a bunch of five to 10 to 15 minute podcasts, oh man, what a, what a treat that would be. We'll see. And where can you find these podcasts, Andrew? Oh my gosh. If you go to 12and24.com, that's where all of these long form, these so-called long form podcasts we do are, uh, including this one, uh, which is great. We have, what do we have? We have Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. I'm trying to remember. That's our Keanu Reeves (laughs) podcast. We have the Kurt Locker. That's our Kurt uh, Kurt Russell podcast. (laughs) That's our Kurt Locker podcast. It's called Uh the Kurt Locker. Uh, And probably some more. At the conclusion of this miniseries, we will dovetail nicely into something else that I'm very much looking forward to. That was planned, I don't know, six months ago at this point. What is time? Who cares? Yeah. Seriously. Uh, (laughs) If you want to chat to us about this show that you're listening to right now, you could do that on a number of of platforms. You can email us, hello at 12and24.com. Just toss rewatch in the subject line. I'll see that. We'll put it in our notes. You can hit me up on Twitter at Dark Driving. Eric is at Platypus Jones. If you don't agree with what we're saying or you want to chime in with your two cents, please feel free to do that. Uh, You can also join us on Discord which is where we're recording this right now, although in a, in a private voice channel. But maybe we'll do one publicly. I don't know. Uh, that's 1224.com slash Discord. Join us there. A bunch of other film nerds, too. It's great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Eric's always there. <laughs> I am. Don't say that too loud. My boss is listening. <laughs> Your boss is listening to this? Uh, no, but a couple of my coworkers are. Oh, incredible! <laughs> well, Eric is—I mean, he's not—you know—he's—it's responsible. Come on, you get—we all have, we know mm-hmm. we need breaks during the workday. Come on, yeah, okay, exactly. You know, yeah, what the hell? Uh, finally, 
If you want to support us at just a moment of your time, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, again, I want to reiterate, I really love this sh uh, much shorter type of miniseries show. So if there's like a series you think we might be good at covering, if you like our style, you want to recommend something for us to watch and, and follow along with, please do that there. It'll be great. It's probably going to be horror because those are the ones that seem to get extended franchises. Oh but my God. I'm totally down with that. I would love that. I would really, really love that. We got a new scream coming, Andrew. It's very exciting. I would do a scream. Look at that. What is that? Five movies? Six? Yeah. Or it's, it's five, right? This new one is five. Yeah. Oh my God. What a series to do, right? <laughs> We're doing scream. Let's finish. Scream. scream watch. Let's finish Resident Evil first. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. Let's All do right. that. Speaking of which, I guess let's uh, let's talk about the movie that we're here for today. Yeah, which is Resident Evil Afterlife. This was the start of an apocalypse that would sweep the entire world. That was five years ago. My name is Alice. Last survivors followed a radio signal to Alaska. This is Arcadia, broadcasting under emergency frequency. We offer safety and security, food and shelter. But I could find only one. Claire, who did this to you? Umbrella. We have to move on. Our only chance for survival is finding the source of this signal. This is Arcadia. We offer safety and security. Food and shelter. Look there! Come on! The men responsible for this disaster took refuge underground. The Umbrella Corporation feels safe. Everything is quiet here. They feel secure. They're wrong. I want to talk about the cast and the crew of this one. Uh, just briefly, we'll go through budget and box office some critical and audience reception, then we're going to do our deep dive like we normally do. Cast and crew, he's back, Eric. He never left, but he's back where he belongs. Paul W.S. Anderson, writing and directing this one after being away for two films. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what brought him back, but like you said, it's not like he was away from the franchise. He just wasn't directing, so good for him. Let me ask you this just before we get into it. Uh... Did you notice? Like, was it no. like... No. <laughs> Just a straight no. no. Got it. Okay. I mean, I, like I, we've mentioned before that I think one of the great things about this franchise is that they are fairly consistent, right? Like stylistically, um, you know, and and plot and story-wise, like they, they feel of a whole so I, I think that's great, and it's probably chalked up in large part to his writing. And my guess is that he also maybe ghost directed a little from the producer's chair. So, yeah, uh, I think think it's great. All right, good, good, good. We have quite a cast for this one. Some new faces, some old faces. Uh, it's a it's a good mix, I think. Obviously, Mila Jovovich is back <laughs> as of Alice. She is joined. Uh, but returning, Allie Larder. Awesome. A new uh, face, Wentworth Miller. Uh, Kim Coates, Sean Roberts, Spencer Locke, Boris Kajo. I wrote Spencer Locke again for some reason. That's fine. 
big props. And spoilers. <gasps> wait, sorry. Spoilers. Spoilies. This, this, this last cast member is a spoiler, sort of. <sighs> Sienna Gullery. Yeah. Sienna Gullery. She's back. Uh, I saw her name in the opening credits. Right. They, they, they blow it right away. They blow the secret. <laughs> it's, it's like the worst ever because I spend the whole movie looking. Wh- where's Jill? Where is Jill? We'll get there. I had completely forgotten and almost stopped this movie when the credits started rolling. And I, thank God I didn't. Like, right. Thank God I was trying to find my remote. Right. We're in 2010. Uh, yep. As of this movie, which puts us squarely in the beginnings of phase one of Marvel, the MCU. Uh, and I think this movie borrows he- an idea heavily from those Marvel films. We'll get there. Okay. Let's talk budget and box office, which is always interesting uh, when it comes to uh, an R-rated horror franchise that has made over a billion dollars. How did we get here? <laughs> Why are there six of these? I'm pulling from Box Office Mojo. The budget of this one, $60 million. That's up from $45 million for the previous two films. My notes tell me, and again, I, gotta, I can't bury the lead on this one. This one was the 3D one, y'all. If you remember the marketing for this one, a lot of purposefully th- things are being thrown at the camera in, the, in this movie. <laughs> yeah, in we're in the, what, fourth attempt to make 3D a thing at this point? Right. This was coming off the heels of Avatar in 2009, I believe? Eight or nine? Right. Uh, which was uh, perfectly executed from a technical standpoint. I don't want to talk about the quality of Avatar as a film, but I sure. do want to give it the props it rightfully deserves. James Cameron, he was like, what a guy. He's like, you know what? The technology doesn't exist. I guess I have to invent it. And that's what he did. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I guess this is technically like the third. Like in the 50s, 3D was just a straight up gimmick. Yeah. Then we had it come back again in the, the mid 80s. Every horror yes. franchise had a 3D entry. Um, and then to your point, like, 2009, uh, we try to bring it back again. Yeah. And it just, I don't know why we can't kill it. (laughs) It's not, it's not good. I don't care for it, but hey, what do I know? What do I know? I I mean, it's, it's a value added gimmick. You know, you can't, you quote unquote, can't get it home. Of course you can now. Um, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, just doing, just shooting this movie in 3D added 20% to the budget. So it's not like Screen Gems tossed them an extra $15 million and said, go wild. It was just, it was almost entirely by virtue of, of them shooting it in 3D that the budget got larger. That being said, uh, it had a $26 million opening weekend. That's up from $23.6 million. 60 million domestic gross that is up from 50 million and who boy 240 million internationally that's up from 147.7 million dollars that is a lot of money that is a huge jump yeah it's a it's a nice little bump my like my hypothesis that the domestic would like increase as the franchise sort of gained popularity in video is not panning out, however. 
<laughs> it looks like most people are still just waiting for video domestically. Yeah, it's again the for the most part the trend line is up and to the right for these films. But it's not, sure. if you comp- if if you're looking at this, if you go on Box Office Mojo, it has the comparison of all six over time. International mm. is just. They are, they cannot be satiated. They need more Zambies in their life. It's unbelievable. Well, hey, we always knew that was the case. Um, you know, we, we kept asking ourselves, like one of the theses of this podcast was just like, how do these movies that are all kind of, that all kind of run together for us, how is this like a billion dollar franchise? And I think we have our answer. My, my thought, or my question rather, is how, so we have two left after this one. What is happening to this international for these last two? I'm, I'm assuming the trend continues or at least stays the same, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I don't look ahead for that sort of stuff. This is very exciting. <laughs> Critical and audience reception. Let's talk a moment about uh, how this film was received. Sure. Rotten Tomatoes uh, has this movie, as of recording, at a 21% critical score. That's down from 25%. There is not much lower to go (laughs) from here. At 20%, 20% is like, did you make a movie? (laughs) Like, there's your entry. Uh, audience score, 48%, down from 58 which just tells me when you put this right against the box office that a, a, a vocal minority of people could say this is the worst film ever, and it essentially remains bulletproof. I don't know what to attribute that, that uh, the fan drop to. Like, I'm trying to think, like... Were we burnt out by 3D at that point? But we we weren't. No, uh, I think that was still pretty early. All things it's considered, not, it's. I don't think it's a noticeably worse film. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Interesting. They kept it. You know, the one thing we praised about the last one was they kept it relatively tight in terms of like locations and yeah. you know. And this one is much, much of the same, really. It's like still like a solid ninety minutes. Yeah, like yeah, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's it's (laughs) wildly entertaining (laughs) at points. It's like okay, I get it. All right. So wonder what else it was going up against. Anyway, moving on. Let me say. Let me ask. Are you listing closer to the the critics or the audiences on this one? Yeah, I'm more on the audience side on this one. Okay. Um, I, I think it's a good time. Um, I'm I'm like debating as we go through these really tightly, right? And and they're sort of I can clearly compare them. Yeah. Because as I just said, like they tend to run together the further you get away from them. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure. I think I like the movies with more weird umbrella shit in them. <laughs> and this this one is a little lighter on the weird umbrella stuff, right? Especially in comparison to the last one, right? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of miss the, like, insane umbrella stuff. And it, it, we get some of it. But the meat of the movie uh, takes place just kind of with our heroes. So, I don't know. It, it's interesting because... 
that is the stuff that I usually point at. And I'm like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense, but it turns out maybe that's what I enjoy is that it's, it's just kind of bug nuts insane. <laughs> um, but I don't know. We'll see. That's interesting. You're, you're like, I need this incredibly incompetent company at the forefront. Like, I just miss how weird that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have two more. I'm hoping uh, maybe the pendulum will swing back the other way. Maybe, maybe. We got to explain some of the absolutely batshit things we've seen in this film, I guess. Or maybe they don't. I don't know. But I was going to say, like, we get one full monster in this, right? And we don't even know where he comes from. Like, that's that's a core of this series as we see the monster get made. I'm yeah. like, oh, we didn't we didn't even get that this time. Here's the deal. I don't even know why that monster is here. I will get to that, but that monster doesn't make sense. Game wise, geographically, he's in the wrong place. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Um, Sir, you're in the wrong place. Right. How did you get here? Did you take a plane? Because he really would have had to take a plane. That's all I'll say. Uh, That's a a very long flight from where he, where I saw him, where I know him to be from. So it's fine. It's fine. Looking forward to the game segment then. Oh, my God. We finally have a, a, a sizable game segment once again, uh, but it, <laughs> a, it makes absolutely no goddamn sense at all, which is fine. <laughs> it's fine. Eric. Yeah. I am super excited for you to run through this one. So I think you have many pages of notes for us. I, I say whenever you're ready, just like let's, let's <laughs> d- jump in with both feet. Let's go. All right. So this movie starts, weirdly, before the apocalypse. Yeah. So we we do get to see the, I guess, what is the beginning of the outbreak in Tokyo? There's a woman in the rain, uh, sheets, a guy. Uh, we zoom out and we sort of see the infection spread through Tokyo, across the world. Yeah. Uh, and then it's four years later, for some reason. <laughs> for I guess that's... That's just, okay, we're back up to speed. Wait, so this opening sequence, mm-hmm. what did you think about it? Because it was like, for me, it felt, a, it felt very Zack Snyder to me. A lot of slow motion, visually very, like, a lot to take in. Did, did you like it? Well, so I think it's a callback to, like, the, the like, fade out on two movies ago uh i don't have my notes in front of me but like it feels like a couple of movies ago ended with like somebody outside zatoichi station eating someone else yes that is true yeah that was yeah that was two two films ago correct yeah this is like to your point completely reshot and very stylistic um, I mean, I thought it was lovely, right? Like, I, I, I liked it. Uh, I just, I don't know why the, the choice was to start there. All right. Right? Um, like, like. It was raining. Okay. Yeah. Everybody uh-huh. had umbrellas. Yeah. Except the uh, person who was infected. E- what yeah. does that mean? I, I. <laughs> No. <laughs> I, I guess my point is, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it's just 
it's a bizarre place to start. It is. Especially when the last movie was like, guess what? The world ended, right? Like, you didn't see any of it, but trust us, nobody's out there. I think the only reason we start there is because uh, because a bunch of, well, we'll get there. It it makes sense why we start in Tokyo for about a minute, for about five minutes of this movie, and then it does. Then it holds no weight at all. We know Umbrella's corporate headquarters are in Tokyo, right? We saw that in a previous film. So, like, there is some thematic reason for it, but, like, whatever. Fair. Um, We flash forward four years. Tokyo is decimated. There are Umbrella employees kind of staking out the various entrances to uh, Umbrella's underground headquarters. Uh, We see some, like... Snipers get taken out Batman style, right? Like something yeah. happens, but we didn't see what it was. Um, we move into sort of the security area of Umbrella and, and Wesker is there, the, the new Wesker. Um, umbrellas have been compromised and like, oh, wow, there's uh, uh, Alice ninjas everywhere. <laughs> Right? So many Alice and like straight up like ninja like stuff. There's like throwing stars and katanas and wire work. This is like a fully just like you know kung fu action sequence. Yes, one hundred percent. There's also a little bullet time. Like this movie is nine years too late to be ripping off the Matrix, but it's 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 very Matrixy. Right? Oh, yeah. Alice uses the force to like clear out a bunch of these dudes. <laughs> she saves her right? for the end. She's surrounded. Yep. Time to use time to <laughs> the ace in the old, the ace in the hole, as it were. But then more bad guys show up and kill Alice, and we're like, fuck. But yeah. wait, there, there's three more Alices. And if you were paying attention to the last movie, you remember, oh right, she woke up a whole bunch of clones, right? So mm. here we are. Uh you know, they decide to flood the place with nerve gas. They lose the Alice's, but there's there's more, <laughs> more Alice's. There's so many. Wesker's, you know, shooting. The facility's breached. It's a pretty good little action set piece, right? Yeah. Um, he, like, initiates the purge. Like, he makes it to his, his airplane and escapes and, like, initiates the purge, which kind of like implodes Tokyo from underground and we're like, Oh no, all the Alice's are dead. We had except 700 Alice's. They're all gone now. Except that there's an Alice on his plane. He knew that. And apparently he knows it's the real Alice. He injects her with like squid cream. I don't know what, (laughs) what this is. Um, but it neutralizes the T virus cells. Yeah. But it only causes her to like lose her powers. How nice to finally meet the real you. Hurts, doesn't it? Well, that's just the start of the bad news. All those powers of yours speed, strength, accelerated healing. Well, you can kiss all those goodbye. Will you die? The serum I've injected you with is neutralizing the T-cells within your body. Put simply, the Umbrella Corporation is taking back its property. You just didn't work out. So you're being recalled. I'm, I'm a little hazy on this, because if you... I don't know. Anyway, she's losing her powers. Sure. Right? 
the plane crashes. There's like a crazy freeze frame bullet time crash, which seemed very unnecessary to me, but it seems like they're trying to explain that Alice survives this crash, right? So Somehow. You know, we're five minutes into the movie. They're letting us know they didn't kill the hero. Mm. We now flash forward in time again. It is six months further on. Uh, Alice, having like lost Wesker, decides to check out Arcadia, which was the spot everyone was going to uh, fly to, the like last free human uh, settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice goes there. This one, this movie just has some like really dope costumes. Like her ninja costume was pretty sweet. It was awesome. She hops out of this jet when she gets to Alaska and she's got this like dope flight jacket with like a shearling collar. Like she looks great. Like, yeah, I'm not sure she's looked better in any of these movies. She looks stunning. Yeah. So she flies into Arcadia. She's finds like a small plane graveyard. Uh, she finds the umbrella chopper that like the team took. There's a Alice flashback to remind you that the team took this chopper. Uh, and then we get the new version of Alice's flashback, which is Alice's video diary. May 3rd, 1930 hours. Arcadia. No such place exists. Just an empty field. And a beach. But we all heard the transmissions. Someone must have sent them. Someone must have brought all these people here. But why? Where did they go? Day 177 signing off. Oh my God, she's vlogging in the apocalypse. Let's go. This is a trope I fucking hate, but. <laughs> Who's it for? Who's it for? We got it in this one. Eh, who knows? She pulls out like two giant revolvers. Oh, because I'm so happy you mentioned that. <laughs> they, they are, are comically enormous. large. <laughs> yes. Because of some crows, and then someone attacks. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 through the attack, we discover that it's Claire, uh, but she doesn't seem to, like, be with it. She's got some sort of mechanical spider thing on her. It looks like the thing from Kronos, if you've seen that movie. Mm, good call. Good call. Um, Alice removes it, but now Claire has amnesia, because somebody has to have fucking amnesia in these movies, right? <laughs> so... They get back up in the plane and start making their way south. Like Alice has got Claire tied up in the plane, which had to be a really awkward, like trying to get that all together. But <laughs> damn it. Uh, L.A. seems to be clear of the undead, like as they're flying past all of the landmarks that will uh, lampshade that this is Los Angeles. Uh, there are no dead people, right? And then they notice that all of the dead people are in one place. They have surrounded a very tall, fortified building, which seems to be the last building in L.A. with people in it. And it's a prison. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a great little, like, landing set piece where, like, 
Alice has to land a fighter jet on the roof of a building. Um, it doesn't seem super plausible to me, but like they do the whole thing. And like one of the guys manages to pull the plane back, which is some Captain America shit, but the let's guys, go with it. The guy's vertical leap is astounding. It is. Well, they explain we it. Learn the, why, right? Well, yeah. yeah but I mean, <laughs> out of context, it, I mean, I, here's the thing. If I still don't really buy what the context of it is. Right. However, uh-huh. if they had just let that go, I would have been like, what, what does the, does this guy have the T virus also? What is happening here? <laughs> All right, so uh, we meet all the survivors. We'll talk about them in a little bit. The real info dump is that we learn that Arcadia is not a town, but it's a ship. It's not a town. It's a ship. I recorded this from the shortwave. This is Arcadia, broadcasting on the emergency frequency. There is no infection. We get a Claire flashback now because everyone gets a flashback. Uh, and she vaguely remembers like some people trying to help them in the town of Arcadia, but she doesn't remember what else happened, right? Then we get <laughs> one of the most ham fisted bits of like foreshadowing I've ever seen, which is for no apparent reason, they show us that the zombies are tunneling, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they're so, learning. Yeah, so they're all outside. They can't get in because it's a prison. We learned from The Walking Dead that this is a bad idea, but do it anyway. <laughs> uh, right? So the zombies are tunneling. Um, we go back inside and we do our, like, really getting to know you stuff. Uh, Kim Coates, who I love when he shows up, he was great on Sons of Anarchy, mm. uh, plays like just the archetype of a shitty movie producer. Yeah. He still has an intern, which is delightful. They, they do call it out, which I thought was nice, uh, where they're like, you know, this guy hasn't realized that the world has moved on and is still being this movie producer's intern. I plenty of creeps like him in my time. It's his story. Back in the world, he was some kind of big movie producer. The boy's got a stick up his ass. Kim Young used to intern for him. Still hasn't figured out the world has changed. <laughs> uh, there is Crystal, who is a failed actress. And uh, Boris Kojo plays uh, an NBA star with a watch ad, yep. uh, which I thought was just a really nice touch. And then they talk about there's another dude and they go downstairs and there's a, another survivor and he's watching this dude in like a Hannibal Lecter Magneto cage in the basement of the prison. And it is Wentworth Miller. Yes. Right. 
so he gives his story of how he ended up in there. He says he's a good guy and got trapped in there when the prison broke down, but nobody knows what to believe, so we keep him locked up. This is not this. I'm not a prisoner. I shouldn't be in here. I was working with a military unit. We're using this place as a staging post. Things were already pretty bad when the order came through from the governor to release all the inmates. You see, we needed as many people on the streets as possible to fight those things. And it was chaos. We were pulling out and a gang of the prisoners jumped me. Guess they thought I was a guard. I woke up, my unit was gone. I was in here. Their idea of a joke. I mean, he was doing his best Christian Bale Batman voice, so I wouldn't trust him. He's look. He's dead. I here. like Wentworth Willer, and that's 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 a little bit how he talks. Is that really uh, his? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Th- okay. I guess like <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. The inflection does not change throughout the rest of the movie, but like when right. you start at that level, I get it. Where people wouldn't trust you if you're like you're down here, you can trust me. Like no, that's. <laughs> Give a little bit of um, give a little bit of variation. That's all it takes. Yeah, I liked him in uh, you know Prison Break. Of course, mm-hmm. ironically, he is locked in prison in this movie as well. Yes, um, he's also in the like Greg Berlanti DC TV universe. If I remember correctly, I think he's like Captain Cold. So he's what? like a villain. Yeah, he's 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 a lot of fun and like having a good time doing it. All right, all right. Um, so we like get some, uh, Alice weapons shots, right? She's got her, like her weapon roll. Um, and at some point, like, uh, she starts rolling quarters as a hobby. Cause that's a thing you do that does, that does pay off. <laughs> oh, fortunately, it pays off in such a great way. Thought it was crazy pants at first. We get, we cut back to the tunnelers. Um, but we also like show some zombies on the street and now there's a guy with a giant hammer and a sack head mm-hmm. just walking around LA. Sure. Enormous guy, enormous hammer axe thing. Yeah. Right? It's like the, it's like an, it's like the block of an engine is on the yeah. end of a stick is what this guy is holding essentially. Totally amazeballs. Right. <laughs> He is massive. He is just massive. huge. Right. Uh, Alice is gonna take a shower because Paul W.S. Anderson requires that his wife take a shower in all these movies. <laughs> uh, but then we find out like the creepy old dude was was creeping on her, right? He was spying on her. So okay. Uh, but the the tunnelers break through in the midst of her confronting him. Uh, new twist. The tunnelers are also like face tentacle zombies. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're like the the super vampires in Blade 2. Like their whole face splits open. Yeah. Um, and they just come at you. Your other point of reference might be the Demogorgon from Stranger Things, you know? Yes. It's like a flower exactly. almost. It's crazy. Except it's a face, yeah. It's a fa- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh so that's gnarly, but like, okay, they beat those guys, but there's like still a hole in the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're like, all right, we we definitely need to get out of here. Let's go talk to Wentworth Miller, right? 
Yes. And he, he swears he knows the way out. Uh, so they let him out. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Claire? What? Claire, it's me. It's Chris. some sort of memory loss. If you really are her brother, you'll come back. All right, this is very touching. I mean, a family reunion. If we could just get a move on, please, before we're all eating the fuck alive. Since Claire is from the movie, or from the games, I'm assuming Chris is also from the games. Game one, Chris Redfield. First, maybe first character we meet in the games. Jesus Christ, okay. Took him this long to show up. Just as a quick side note, soon as he gets released, dude starts acting horny as hell. I didn't care for it. I did mean, you, did you get that as did you get that vibe as well? How long has he been in there though? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I it's just been, feel it's like time and place, really. It's been four years since the zombie apocalypse started. Like, he's, he's probably been, been in there for like a year or two. I don't know. Who's been what? These people have been babysitting this dude for a year. I, I didn't really follow the timeline on when the warden like decided to let everybody out, but like I feel like he's been in there for a minute. Right? Yeah, he he goes to eleven with the horniness. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I mean it's fine. Don't get me I wrong. I get it. You don't approve. He's a good okay. look. He's a good looking dude, and he's surrounded yeah. by a bunch of other good looking people. I would I'd probably be in the same boat as him. I just wanted to call it out that yeah, it's I mean uncomfortable for a moment. <laughs> It, it is it is something that like we don't really talk about, but like is sort of vaguely implied because it's a movie, right? It's like the, everyone that survived the apocalypse is beautiful. Oh yeah, and like looks even better when they're like a little bit dirty and sweaty, right? <laughs> right. If nothing else, Paul W. S. Anderson impeccably helped cast this film. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> yes, of course, this is the guy. This is the girl. He says that there's a, a truck and an armory from the time when he was like, he's kind of like the National Guard that was sent to to help L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a truck and an armory. Um, we now have our like missions. Um, but uh, Hammer Guy shows up and he starts just pounding away on the gates to this thing, mm-hmm. to the prison rather. Uh, so he's breaking in. Um, the armory is like locked, so they've got to do some, some like heisty hacking, breaking in there. And the armory is two floors underwater. Cause of course, right. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a fairly good underwater scene. I, I like when they're like, when it's not like, Oh look, it's super clear and everybody can see everything that's going on. Yeah. Very murky water. Yeah. Uh, they make it, uh, to the other side where they're, they're like where the armory is, I guess. Um, and (laughs) zombies pop out and like take the one red shirt, like Samuel Jackson in deep blue sea, right? (laughs) It's like an instant. It like, as soon as he's up and out of the water, he's gone. Right. But fight their way through. 
make it into the armory. The other team unlocks the garage, find the truck. Oh, wait, the truck doesn't have an engine in it. Um, so Kim Coates, like, just kills a dude? This was, like, confusing to me, right? It's this yeah. character, Angel, who's, I think, like, army, military of some sort, um, who's been nothing but helpful and, like, really not super heavily focused on. Mm-hmm. And Kim Coates just kills him. I don't know what his plan was, I guess, is my question. Yeah. Well, there were a bunch. There are a, a handful of characters that are openly aggressive uh, against this movie producer. Uh, but the guy he killed was not one of them. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. Right. And to clarify, like Kim Coates is playing just an asshole. Yeah, he's a real scumbag. So Hammer Guy breaks through the grate. And since Kim Coates' character has, like, killed the guy that could fix the truck, they now decide to go upstairs and steal the plane Mm -hmm. that Alice arrived in. Apparently everyone in the apocalypse knows how to fly. Um, He almost, like, crashes. Like, they drop off and, you know, do that thing where, like, oh, no, they're going to hit the ground. And then at the last minute, pull up. But, like, when they pull up, they leave, like, a cool red streak through all the zombies. I just thought that was, like, a nice morbid touch, right? Is like, just skidded across a bunch of zombies. It it, it straight up reminded me of The Last Jedi. We remember when they're on, like, Crate, I think, is the planet. And it's, like, that... When they're the the land speeders are like cutting through, it's like it looked. It was a very cool small thing that literally would have stopped the plane. <laughs> but like, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it was it was awesome to watch. It was great. Uh, so you know he got away, but now all of our heroes are kind of stuck on the roof, and there's a lot of zombies. Um, we get kind of a. I was thinking of like a Left for Dead style moment here because there's like four or five people kind of a raid just shooting every zombie they can. Yes. Um, and I just felt that that connection to that video game. Yeah. There were even some red barrels on the roof. I don't know if yeah. you noticed. I yeah. was like, oh, shoot the red barrels. <laughs> That'll help. Um, Alice gets all of our heroes into the elevator and then just blows it the fuck up. Um <laughs> I was like, what's the plan here? <laughs> Which I have to say was a bold move, yeah. but it works. It doesn't kill them. The brakes kick in. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Alice throws a big ass bomb on the roof and then she does like a full Nakatomi tower, like jumping off the roof all the way to the ground. Like, this was a little bit confusing. Yeah. She I, seems to jump to where the truck was. Roughly. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it it's a very tall building, at least, you know. And okay, so my thought was again here, and just to just to bring it bring it back for a moment. In the beginning, Wesker injects her with the thing that removes her powers, and yet she still seems to have them all. So, I you know that's all I'm saying. She jumped off the roof of a building. She's still incredibly accurate. She's still kicking zombies in the head to death. You know, she can't be stopped. Just, you know. No, I I agree. And I wasn't clear. uh, Did he just remove like her force powers? Like she just can't do the mental stuff now? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Again, we don't really. I don't. I don't. I stopped asking questions after the second film when. Sure. You know. (laughs) 
when zombies came out of the graveyard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, so there's there's a really great moment here. Um, the the basketball player is there. There's like a slow mo gun toss, and then she pulls both of her shotguns, and we see just what she's been doing with those quarters, right? <sighs> like great, like quarters as buckshot. I don't know if that's even remotely plausible, but it looks cool in a movie. Uh, it, the way that they conveyed this tearing through a zombie, like it just leaves. The, it's like a very satisfying. I don't know. It was like a. It was like the combination of the visual and the sound design because you have like the ringing of coins, but this like splat as well. I was like, this is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. No. I mean, it was. It was one of those reasons we come to these movies, right? You're like, oh, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh. So at this point, <laughs> they've given up on all of their plans, and they're just going to use the hole in the shower room to escape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but of course, Hammerman is there, right? Um, and there's a Hammerman fight. Uh, one of swings of his axe like breaks a water pipe. So of course, we, now we've got water spraying everywhere. It's incredible. And there's like slow mo flips and shit. Like Claire hits a superhero pose. Like it's just everything you want from this fight, right? Yeah. Uh, the whole fight probably only takes about 30 seconds, but it stretched to four minutes with slow motion. Like, there's <laughs> literally only, like, three hits in this whole fight. Yeah. Uh, Claire manages to kill the hammer guy with the quarter shotgun again. So yeah. uh, you're like, okay. And then, wait, nope, he's not dead. And he throws his hammer at them. And this is where, in my notes, I said, was this movie in 3D, which we answered in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yes, of course it was. Extremely 3D. So all of this makes way more sense now. Uh, And then Alice uses the quarter shotgun again, but this time just takes his whole head off, right? So we're we're pretty sure he's dead this time. (laughs) God, I hope so. Uh, So we escape through the tunnels, it is, I don't, I feel like I stepped away or something. Cause I'm not sure how they knew that the hole, the zombies drilled. Oh, it was the zombies came through the sewers. That's what it was. All yes. right. I just yeah. answered my own question. You did it. You got there. <laughs> um, they lose Luther, like a, one of the face guys gets him or so we think. Yeah. Uh, so it's just Alice and the two Redfields. They make it to the Arcadia, but it's empty. Like, there's just no one there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find the plane that Kim Coates stole, so, you know, they basically assume that he made it. Uh, they go onto the bridge and find uh, one of my favorite movie tropes, which is the ship's log. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming ships do keep a log, right? But, like... In times of emergency, is someone supposed to write down like we launched the lifeboats? I don't. I, I find that implausible. But feel free to write in and tell me how ships logs are kept. Are right? you the log man on the sh- on a ship? Please, yeah. Please elaborate. If, if write so. in to hello at twelve and twenty four dot com. <laughs> right. Um. But. So the, what they discover is that the crew launched the lifeboats, but the ship is still reading that there are 2,000 survivors on board, right? Mm. I, again, don't know what 
what ship is equipped with that technology, but sure, right? We're, I, we're about to find I think we're about to find out. Yes, yes. Claire has her final flashback and remembers that the Arcadia is a trap. The people that she vaguely remembered were coming to help them were actually Umbrella, and they kidnapped them and took them to the Arcadia, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so Umbrella is holding all of the survivors in stasis, um, you know, as we sort of make our way th- into the depths of the Arcadia, it becomes kind of a white, sterile, very sci-fi kind of space, right? It's no longer a, just a tanker on the inside. Yeah. Um, also very sci-fi, like the TARDIS, the Arcadia seems much bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. It, Whatever. It would literally be... <laughs> it's like the bottom of a tanker to the top is like... Is so much wasted space inside of this <laughs> ship. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, they, they look and they find some of their friends, um, including Kmart. And my favorite, my favorite piece of production design in this movie is the file on this girl actually says Kmart. Kmart. <laughs> it's not no her other name. name. Right. <laughs> Alice makes her way to like the big boss final room. There's a lot of emaciated dead people lying around and Wesker is just like sitting in a throne. Cause that's like, imagine the meeting to have that installed in the bottom of this boat. Okay. <laughs> I need a, I need a chair. I need it to be yeah. right here. I just I need was- one chair in this room. <laughs> And a place for like four people I can drain because that is that is what we're like sort of led to believe, right? Is this is these people he has he has eaten. The volume of this room is no no shit four thousand square feet. Yeah, and there's one chair. Seems to be overkill. The T virus brought me back. But it's so strong, it fights me for control. And I thought if I ingested fresh human DNA, I could redress the balance. No wonder your crew abandoned ship. No matter. Now I have a new subordinate. And a new plan. You were the only one who successfully bonded with the T-Virus. Your DNA is stronger than the others. I ingest you. I gain control. That's pretty smart thinking. There's only one problem with that plan. Stop. Right right there. And what is that? I'm not on the menu. Uh, so Wesker, like, you know, does his little bullshit and brings out the zombie dogs. Because, yay, they're mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, oh, and Kim Coates, who looks like shit. Yeah, he's here. Uh, the dog's heads now also split open. There's a very, uh, one, it's very much for the 3D, but two is also just like mid-2000s excess summed up in one shot. Okay. Which is where Wesker throws his sunglasses and like you can sort of see everything reflected in the sunglasses as they spin through the room. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just it's completely pointless. Like, <laughs> like it is, 
It serves no purpose. Yeah, right? I guess it should be noted the man is wearing sunglasses in the in the depths of a ship in a completely white room with one chair, and his first move is to toss to them. engage. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, right. solid. Uh, but what we see in the ensuing fight is that like Wesker's kind of gone full matrix, right? Like he can dodge uh, bullets, um, move too fast. Like this movie's really ripping off the matrix and it's confusing. Mm-hmm. So then like uh, Wesker sort of starts to like transform, right? He's going to like let the monster that he's been fighting out. And and Claire stabs him in the head. I don't remember why. I guess he's still not dead, right? But then Kmart shows up, <laughs> and they shoot him in the head. Uh-huh. Yeah. There, there was uh, a and, lot. And there was a lot going he's, on. He's still alive, so they just, like, shoot him a lot. <laughs> and then they leave, right? I, I don't... Whatever. They're just like, bye. Well, my favorite thing... My favorite thing, and I... This this ties back into the thing that you said is like the 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 initial fight was like uh, Alice v Flower Dogs Demo Dogs if you will, and then the Redfields versus Wesker right, and Wesker gets the upper hand on both of them and like puts them in like the tubes at, at like these t- the cryo tubes yep. essentially they go into the floor then the whole fight like Alice fights him or whatever and then Kmart saves the day. And then Alice has to like recall them, right? Yes. And yes. M- again, my favorite thing that I loved is like they were already in the system. Like it they was were like already cataloged. Cla- yeah, like their fo- like a photo, the name, like their like their bi- their, their stats. It's like we got a free Claire and Chris Redfield. <laughs> I just love I that mean, shit. It's it's Umbrella, dude. They like, they've got files on everybody. That's not enough weird Umbrella shit for you. They're every- like well, who is who isn't in the system? I- <laughs> Uh, so they leave Kim Coates in there with Wesker, and we presume he is eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, the next thing that happens is Wesker escapes. We're not really sure how. Yeah. Uh, but he like flies away and activates another purge. Oh, but twist! It's actually on his plane. Alice switched the purge thing. Luther, we see, is still alive, but like they just. It appears they're just leaving him in L.A., like in a tunnel (laughs) under Los Angeles. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) You know, Alice decides to change the Arcadia broadcast to be, like, for real now, right? Like, they've taken over the Arcadia, and they're going to use it for the purpose that they thought it was used for. Um, But, oh, no. Umbrella attacks. Yeah. Uh, And then credits. Right. Oh, so many umbrella planes. How many do you think there were? Three dozen? I, at least. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, but wait, <gasps> where was Sierra Gullery? Where was she? Oh, right. There's a post credit scene. <laughs> Jill Valentine is back, but she is evil and being controlled by Umbrella with one of those spider johns, right? So, like. Yes. She's back, but oh no, she's a baddie. Damn it. Jill, come on. Oh, and the credit song this time is A Perfect Circle's Outsider. 
Yeah. I'm just I'm just fascinated by the post credit or the credit music in these films. They do pick <laughs> they've they've definitely kept with the metal for like our <laughs> or like techno, you know, it was like variations on a theme of metal. Um uh, but all, you know, it's kind of neat. It was I, I like that. I like a perfect circle. I like Maynard, you know, they're fine. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. That's the end. Yeah. Eric, you know, we just, we, we went through this together. We laughed, we cried, we had a good time. What was the best kill in this movie? Oh, um, hmm. That's a good question. I, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the first quarter shooting. Yeah. It's just, it's a nice like setup and payoff to your point. It's like a really satisfying, like kill. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's my first one. The, 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 the multiple Alice's dying at the beginning, like the, when the first Alice dies, that's a pretty good one as well. Not so much like the kill. Right. But like just sowing a little bit of confusion at first. Like, yeah, you're like what the hell? <laughs> we've watched these really close together. I'm not sure everybody remembered that, like, there were dozens of clone Alice's at the end of the last movie. So that was a nice little fake out, too. Yeah, yeah. What did you think was the best kill? Uh, I'm going to, I'll go with two. Uh, so the, the best uh, zombie kills person was probably. Like for the peeping Tom guy, I love, I love instant karma. I think it's one of the most hilarious things. I, I, sure. I, I, I laughed out loud when it happened because as we've discussed, you know, zombies are loud as fuck until they don't have to be or, <laughs> or, or, or unless it's not convenient for them to be. So the fact that they are like having this, this, this argument and they can't hear that a, a, a tunnel has opened up right beside them <laughs> right this guy gets caught he turns around he's like i'm going a zombie's face opens up swallows his head and then he gets pulled into a hole i loved it that was great it's pretty good the other one the other one is the killing the, the the large axe man the second time there's like a slide through water through the legs kind of thing i love that shit it was that was awesome I love that one. You do. You really like those like big bombastic slow motion like badass kills. I it's it's it was like it's the best. That whole sequence for me. Yeah. I think about that from a technical perspective of like sure. there are it's hundreds of gallons of water flying everywhere. <laughs> it's like how the hell are they keeping the cameras dry? <laughs> I love I love that shit. I love it. Yeah. I eat it up. That was my favorite kill. All right. Okay. We've had a recurring segment. I think I think we know. I you said it about sixty times, and I I like <laughs> I was nodding the end. I was like, you know what? I think I think Eric nailed it. But for <laughs> for cir- pomp and circumstance, let's go. Every one of these movies has been blank with zombies, wherein Paul W. S. Anderson fixates on a film that he probably loves or had just watched recently and then just add zombies to it. I think, mm-hmm. you know, what do they say? Uh, um, 
twice imitation as a, twice as no twice as a coincidence yeah. three times as a pattern <laughs> like or i can't remember the whole but like right. we're at four now yeah and it's clear that this is this is uh, to me at least this is the case the first film aliens with zombies the second film escape from new york with zombies the third film mad max with zombies you could you know the road warrior pick your mad max but essentially mad max with zombies Eric, yeah. would you care to tell us what this one is? This is the Matrix with zombies. It's the Matrix with zombies. <laughs> yeah, I love it's the Matrix. So weird. You are, uh, you are right that it is like it's just it's just the timing is so, so odd. Far. Yeah, he probably watched it though while he was writing. He had it on in the background. We're, we've all been there. And we're like, he's like yeah, Man, and I love that look, lobby shootout scene. <laughs> like, if you're gonna rip off a movie, it's a it's a great movie, right? But like, yeah, so many of the things that became ubiquitous after the Matrix, I feel like had run their course by 2010. Oh, of course, yeah. And then, then he jumps in there. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe I'm misremembering how long it took. But like, there is so much like. Bullet time, slow-mo, like, Wesker literally moves like somebody in the Matrix, like... uh, Yeah, he's an agent. He's got the glasses just like an agent. I mean, it's literally like... It doesn't make any... I I think maybe we were just far enough out from it where people are like, this reminds me of something. And that's it. That's all it was. We just needed to let enough time elapse. Maybe, yeah. I, I like I can't fault it for that, right? Like it, it's it looks cool. Yeah, I, I mean, it's you know, I, I love you. You said the other one. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. You could do mm-hmm. like the big set pieces in the Matrix are a, like almost one to one represented here. My this thing that I'm talking about with the water. There is a scene with the fire with the the fire sprinklers go off when they're rescuing Morpheus. It's like the same exact shit. I mean like it, it's <laughs> it's like the same thing. I love it though. <laughs> so I'm in. <laughs> go yeah, ahead. I, like it didn't I can't say that it bothered me uh, and when I was calling it out during the plot synopsis, I was just like what what year is this? <laughs> like it feels like maybe two thousand five would have been when this happened, but yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good. Well, that's exciting. I I can't wait. I mean, I, we've joked about this. This is literally how I will remember the films. That's all. all I, right. This is the only prompt I need now. Is just give me the movie that it reminded me of and then add zombies. And I, I got it. I mean, the problem is there's no mnemonic to actually know the n- name of the film still. That's true. After math, af- after Matrix. You're going you're gonna to yeah. have to rename the stuff in your movie library to be <laughs> to like be, Aliens with Zombies. <laughs> the, the With Zombies franchise. That's exactly. what we we'll call it. Doesn't mm-hmm. need to be Resident Evil. Who cares? <laughs> this whole umbrella thing's clearly only tertiary to what's happening here anyway. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk production notes. I, I, I pulled a couple things here that I think are pretty fun. Yeah. As we go on with these movies, I don't know if they offload more of this information into the Blu-ray and, and therefore less of it like gets translated onto the, onto the internet or whatever, but... Uh, I, it, this, this has shrunk more and more as we've gone in these films. So 
here we go. Uh, this is the first Resident Evil film to be released in IMAX, which is, I guess that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's not every film gets an IMAX release. So no, there are only true. so many screens. So it's kind of cool. And again, like IMAX goes up and down with it sort of being another gimmick, right? So like, yes, of course it was made in 3d. It was upscaled IMAX. Like, so I get it. They're, they're trying different like revenue options. Yeah. That might actually explain some of the international budget. If people were going to see this in 3d IMAX two or three times, that's, you know, we're talking three to four times ticket price. A little pricier. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first movie to actually shoot in every one of the locations that were depicted. So everything else was either on a soundstage or in front of a green screen. This one actually was in Tokyo, Alaska, and Los Angeles, which is pretty cool. Okay, but, like, did that make it onto film? Like... <laughs> Alaska, definitely. There, really? You think so? Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if you told me that that was... Uh, 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 like Vancouver, Vancouver or Ottawa, I would have, you know, I, I, yeah. I just as easily would have uh, believed it. But uh, you know, I, I, I think it is great that they shot on location. I don't think it was necessary. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think that came across. But that's true. Okay. For how much time we were actually in Tokyo, <laughs> you know, maybe and, he you just know, wanted like, to go visit Tokyo. I get it. Right. Get it. Like that was. That was a fairly involved sequence, though. Like, you pointed out, like, there is a lot going on there. So, like, that was probably five days. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, had I so mean, many extras for that scene. <laughs> you know? So. Oh, all right. This is for Eric. Wentworth Miller jokingly admits that he was nervous about his character, Chris Redfield, being similar to his prison break character. In both cases, he is in a prison, and his first lines, literal first lines are, I know a way out of here. <laughs> so there yeah, you go. I mean, I like I, <laughs> I don't know if you can get typecast as like guy in prison. <laughs> guy but... wrongfully in prison. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I could definitely see it, right? Yeah, yeah. And ironically, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched DC's Legends of Tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure Captain Cold is in prison at the beginning of that as well. <laughs> it's like an ongoing joke with him. Yeah. yeah. We just always have this dude in prison. Uh, it's like how, uh, what's the other guy um, from, uh, what the hell is his name from Justified? He's always a ranger. He's always playing yeah. like a, or a marshal or something like that. Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant yeah. yeah, Oliphant. If you go he finally makes it into the Star Wars universe and he's still a ranger. Yeah, what the hell? No, it's, <laughs> I mean, he was a badass ranger. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, Allie Larder missed seven mm-hmm. episodes of her TV series Heroes to be in this film. I don't know. You a fan of Heroes? I, I never watched it. Uh, Heroes is one of those shows that's, that just kind of like never fully gelled at the end, but the Mm. beginning of it is wonderful. Yeah. Like it was, it was like, you know, uh, network TV's kind of first swing at superheroes. Um, there were like some fun, cool storylines and they, they, it was fun for a while. Yeah. I don't remember Allie Larder, like her character's superpower was she could like, Switch places with an alter ego in the mirror. What? 
And I don't remember like her storyline. Yeah, like like she would look in the mirror and there would be like evil Allie Larder and they could switch places and evil Allie Larder could like do what needed to be done, right? Like or oh. like take care of the bad guy. Yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Right. But I don't remember the rest of her storyline. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's okay she missed seven episodes. Sure. It all worked out. Uh, although never mentioned explicitly in the final cut, the script itself clarifies that despite Wesker's injection, Alice's blood system continues to fight off the antibodies. So there we go. Problem solved. She never, it didn't work, is, but again, not explained. Just. Yeah, that whole, whole bit amounts to like nothing. Like there's there's nothing in the film that indicates that Alice has lost a step in any way. She just doesn't use her mental powers after that. It would have been better if they had just not done that at all. Like they have like a plane fight in the beginning and the plane yeah. crashes and Wesker is gone or whatever. Uh, and she walks away as well. And it's at literally the same effect. And we don't have this weird thing hanging over us like, what did Wesker do? Yeah. I mean, maybe it pays off in the next movie. I certainly do not remember. All right. I mean, <laughs> this. No, I'm not expecting it to. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, I doubt they'll pick up that thread, but maybe they do. Maybe I've completely forgotten. I'm keeping a running list of all this, all the things this mo- these movies have to pay off in just two films, <laughs> and it's not, it's not looking good. I don't. It, will they do a Breaking Bad? I don't know. We'll. I probably. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, you're. You're tough. You must have hated Lost. <laughs> I never watched it. There was a black okay. smoke monster, and I'm like, nope, I'm out. Sorry, spoilers <laughs> for Lost. And a polar That's... bear was there, too, and I'm like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense, and it never will. None um, of that was a spoiler. <laughs> That's the worst part about Lost. None of what you just said was a spoiler. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> here's something. This is fun. This is a little how the sausage is made. The added size and weight of the 3D cameras, if you've ever seen a, I I encourage you to look at a, uh, not a current one, because they're quite small now, a a 2010s, maybe an early aughts 3D camera, how large they were. Uh, This meant that the filmmakers were unable to use a Steadicam, which is like a body mounted kind of uh, rig that, you know, a single operator can use. Uh, the camera operator had to film anything that moved and any tracking shots on a Segway. Just that little wheelie thing. I, how do we describe this? It's like a gyroscope-powered scooter for your feet. Is yeah, that- it's, a, it's, it's a motorized scooter, but, like, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I think people know what a Segway is, right? Oh, if like, you've ever watched Arrested Development, it's what Job, <laughs> it's what Job drives around. <laughs> exactly. But I guess I'm unclear. In yeah. 2010, like a 3D camera was that big, huh? It has like a dual. So it's like two cameras strapped together. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Gotcha. It just literally just double the weight. It's got like a two lens array situation. Some of them even had three to give like. If you ever it, do a Google search for the the camera that Cameron used to film Avatar to get a great idea, they got smaller after that, but that was like prototype. It's crazy. Okay. Madness. 
And then finally, proving what we've known all along, the name of this movie, Afterlife, is the same working title that was used in the previous movie before it became Extinction. The names do not matter. No one cares. No thought is put into this at all. Dear God. (sighs) It doesn't matter. Like, it's fine. Sure. But, like... Who cares? Just... Just fucking number them. Then. It would have like, been, I yeah, it, it literally would have been fine if they were just like, <laughs> this is Resident Evil 4. I would have been yeah. fine with that. All right. That's when, you know, are, are, is this the time, this was the period of time where we were, the the subtitle was the thing, right? We The numbering of We got of really films, into, yeah, we got really into like adding a colon, right? Like yeah. it was like something, something, colon, uh, here's the actual title, right? You know, because uh, like I think like the the other <laughs> the other movie franchise we haven't mentioned, but we could do is Underworld, right? <gasps> because yeah. it's it is part and parcel with Resident Evil, right? Hundred percent. Um, and they did the same thing. Like all of the Underworlds are like uh, Awakening and. Uh, I don't know, Vendetta. Like, I forget what they are, but they, they, they did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about how this ties into the video games. So, <laughs> does it? Here's what happened. N- very little in this felt video gamey, right? Like, as we've gone through the movies, there have been sequences where I'm like, this feels like it was from a game. Yeah. This didn't really feel that way at all. So (laughs) keeping in tradition with this guy clearly plays the games and he loves them deeply, uh, but doesn't really care for what the story director of the games is up to. (laughs) He's just like, I think that looks cool. I'm taking that. Let's talk about... Let's talk about the, the zombies in this and yeah. how they are seemingly smarter uh, and their mouths open up. <laughs> uh-huh. That is a thing. Yeah. Uh, they're called Magini, Magini, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are lifted from Resident Evil 5, the video game. Okay. Okay. They are not infected with the T-virus. They are actually the the result of a parasite, which looks incredibly similar to what gets injected into Alice at the beginning of this film. That like squiggly, you know, like that, that thing that you were mentioning the, that like wraps the around squid her. semen. Yeah. yeah. The parasite looks a lot like that it, developed by a company called Tricell, which is one of Umbrella's corporate rivals. <laughs> games are crazy. The games are crazy. Wait, 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 in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, there's still like a rival corporation too? Tricell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, okay. And they're both work actively working to, I guess, undo all of existence. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Fair. Um, and th- th- this, this parasite was based off of a- another thing from the previous game in the series, Resident Evil 4. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, suffice it to say, the Magini, Magini, whatever we want to call them, they're they're based in Africa, uh, mm-hmm. a, a town in Africa, uh, and they just kind of live normally. Like 
they're they're not they're not like zombies. Like they have this thing inside them, and it 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 will react when provoked or it senses danger or something like that. And and it manifests okay. in the same way. Their mouth opens up and they get these like tentacly things that can emerge from them. What I'm hearing is at some point these games go to Africa. Yeah, you do. Yeah, the whole fifth game is in Africa. Oh boy. <laughs> That doesn't sound problematic at all. Oh, oh, oh. this <laughs> okay. This Chris Redfield, our our white savior, Chris Redfield, goes <laughs> and helps the people of Africa. <laughs> all worry. right, don't worry. His partner is is African. Don't worry about it. Thank God. I'm sure, that's not problematic at all either. <laughs> the moving on, yeah. <laughs> okay. The scarab. That's what that's what I would describe it. That's what the that's actually what the game describes it as the scarab like device that was strapped okay. to uh, what, what was her name uh, Claire's chest, and at the end we see it on Jill's chest as well. Th- that's from Resident Evil Five. Also, uh, the Axeman. He's called the Axeman in the credits of this. Uh, okay. In Resident Evil Five, he was called an executioner. So that's what I was making mention to. This is a this is a, a a creature, an executioner, indigenous to Africa. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what that's the only place I've ever seen them in the games. Uh, All right. And there are a, a handful of them that you encounter, but I, it makes sense in the context of where you see him and and how he finds you. It does not make any sense why this thing would be in Los Angeles. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> okay. And the, the executioners are zombies. They're they, not parasites. They no. They are like super. Uh, they are also Magini, um, but they uh, they're the result of another kind of experiment as well. So they <laughs> they're course. like the next level, I guess you would call them. They are roughly the same size in Resident Evil Five. If Chris is like, if Chris is like six feet tall, this dude's like seven and a half, maybe eight feet tall. Just a, just an absolute unit of a monster. <laughs> All right. So Albert Wesker's super speed, as well as his um, apparent grudge against Chris. We didn't really mention that, but you know, Wesker just throws out that like he knows Chris. He's like, what a touching family reunion, <laughs> like. It's a weird line. It's a weird line. Yeah, I just chalked that up to like, you know, Umbrella knows everything. But to your point, it was a little weird. In the original game, I think I maybe mentioned this earlier in an earlier episode. So Wesker was like the the leader of stars and Chris was like his second in command. So they were like good buddies. <laughs> it's just weird that I, I it's fine. They, they're clearly okay. going for something different here. Yep. Um. That's from the games. Like Chris and Wesker post first game are real like Chris is after Wesker in the in the worst way. Uh his fight with the Redfields is very similar to fights with him that we've seen in other games. So Code Veronica, Resident Evil 5, and there's a there's a DLC for Resident Evil 5 called Lost in Nightmares where it's a tag team of people fighting Wesker while he just dodges bullets like like an agent in the matrix. So Okay. It's like they, right. they lifted that movement whole cloth. So the games were probably heavily influenced by the matrix, at least that portion. Yeah, it was it, 
I could, you could make the argument for it. It felt a little bit, well, well yeah, I, I will say that. So the games came out much closer to the release of the Matrix movies. <laughs> so, okay, all right. Yeah, we're talking like 2004 for Resident Evil 4 and 2006 for Resident Evil 5. So they're probably just wrapping up revolutions around then, I guess. Uh, so it made sense, I guess. Uh, weirdly, it took us four films to have Chris and Jill present. They never see each other. Uh, and I... If I remember correctly, we never see Chris again. I think that's the case. I could be wrong, but I have terrible memory about how these movies go so far. Yeah, I honestly don't remember either. This is following up on that scarab thing. Jill is being manipulated at the end of the movie because she's got this thing on her chest. The exact same shit happened to Jill in Resident Evil 5. So there was like a fight sequence in Resident Evil 5 where if you swapped out uh, Chris and Claire for Chris and Sheva, which was his partner, it's identical. Like, they're they're fighting Jill, who is controlled by this scarab thing on her chest. Okay, it's not really clear how that how that operates or 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 what the rules of that are. Again, I stopped asking questions a long time ago. It's fine. I don't really care. Like, I get it, right? It's a mind control device. Like, yeah. We put it on the chest, it controls the mind. It's super yeah. easy. Sure, as you do. They weren't as as plentiful in the games, I could say. It was really only Jill had one. It wasn't like every other person had this thing on their chest. It looked like it was a pretty pricey situation that Umbrella crafted here. So, there's that. I mean, we've only seen... Two in the films, though, like one was on Claire and they were absolutely trying to catch Alice. So that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. We'll see. Last part. Claire, she's running away from the Axeman in the, um, the shower scene, the, the prison shower area. Um, (laughs) It sounds way dirtier than it actually is. Yeah. 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 (laughs) As soon as it tumbled out of my mouth, I immediately <laughs> regretted it. Uh, it could be a visual reference to Code Veronica. In the game, Claire's running away from, there's a character you meet, he gets mutated, his name's Steve. He's trying to hit her with an ax running after her, causing a lot of destruction in the area. Could just be a visual reference. Uh, could be nothing. There it is. Okay. And Code Veronica is like a spinoff, or it is a full-on game, Resident Evil game? Yeah, it's a full-on game that happens uh, between 3 and 4. So there are quite a number of uh, side titles that get the uh, colon (laughs) and subtitle name convention. So it would go Resident Evil 1, 2, 3... Code Veronica, then you go to four. Um, we have these ones called Resident Evil Revelations. There are two of those. So, there, you know, there are eight mainline games and many, many side stories. And they're all full games, which is great. They're all very good in their own way. Eh, okay. Maybe some of them are <laughs> You backpedaled real quick there. Yeah, I didn't want to like that. That felt like too. That that felt like a blanket statement. I I wouldn't. It wouldn't stand up to scrutiny in the least. So I want to. You know, I'll reserve. I'll reserve the right for that. <laughs> so. Fair enough. 
So that's that. Eric. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, this question has evolved a lot. You see, it's very simple now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Do you recommend this movie? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I think it's fun. Um, like I think it's, I don't want to say it's a good entry point, right? Cause there's a lot you have to know, Yeah. but in terms of like, um, the clarity of what is happening, like, I think it's really solid. Uh, I think everybody's like doing a good job and, or like, you know, having fun with it or both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the only thing that like, um, stumbles in this one a little bit is just some of the like supporting cast. Um, like the red shirts aren't quite as interesting as they've been in past films. Yeah. I agree um, with that. So like, you know, crystal who's the like failed actress and like, I don't even remember, uh, Kim Coates's, uh, interns name right like the like yeah not that these people should be super memorable but like the the previous films have done a better job of like making you give any amount of shit about the supporting characters so yeah that's probably my only uh my only complaint against it good good i uh i also recommend it i've recommended every one of these so far um yeah. I think this one has some solid set pieces. I, if you can divorce yourself from the fact that the sequences that are a hundred percent engineered for three D are in two D, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's a it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I, I I had a great time with this one. I don't need a lot from these. Just give me like, uh, I'm going to make a comparison right now. And again, please take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> the John Wick films, okay? Sure. Every single one of them, of, of the three, but okay, but every single time I've, I've gone in and sat down and watched one, I've seen several new things that I've never seen before. And so even though story-wise they might be going in a direction where I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, every time I know that when I sit down, I will be treated to something truly visually spectacular. So when a movie can do that, and I think this movie, even with this like quarter shotgun thing, I'm like that. I, I don't, I've never seen that before. I've seen rock salt. I've seen all sorts of shit loaded into a shotgun. <laughs> this was <laughs> sure. great. I loved it. Just show me something I've never seen before. And you have me that, and these movies all do that to, to a greater or lesser degree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, we, I, I have been describing these as just like B movies, right. And, yeah. and not in derogatory way. Um, they are, they are just kind of fun to like sit down and for like an hour and a half, like watch a lot of like, good action, um, some like, you know, cool fight stuff. There's interesting, um, technical choices. Yeah. Like it's, it's just kind of a good hour and a half. Right. And, and 
um, that consistency is, has been pretty great. Absolutely. They, they sit in that spot that we have talked about that like $50 million budget thing that we don't see a lot of, but can bridge that gap of like uh, being a moneymaker and being wildly entertaining without having to do a lot. I don't know. It's like this magical unicorn zone that, that we don't make these movies anymore. And I really like that. I think, I think the new movie is roughly, I'm not, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe it is roughly within the same budget. So I, we've been seeing more trailers for the new one. Yeah. Uh, and they've been revealing more uh, in terms of, I think they're, I think they're getting better. Like the first trailer I saw, I think some of it looked pretty rough. And then the latest trailer, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that you know, those visual effects were still wet. Now yeah. we're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now we're seeing some refinement, and I'm I'm looking forward to it quite a bit. So, as we've discussed, it's probably the film that's going to get me back in theaters. <laughs> yeah, and again, like if there is any place where like that mid tier movie still lives, it's like horror. It's genre. Um, and that one looks like they are going like full horror movie. Um, so I'll be curious to really see, um, you know, we're, we're past scares in this, this series. You know, I, I can't think of any moment in this movie that was, was scary. Right. Um, all, 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 all of that artifice has fallen away. Yeah, like, yeah. We're not even going to try a jump scare. It's it's just not even in the DNA anymore. Yeah, like it it is just like action horror. If that is if that is a subgenre that exists, um, <laughs> and and you know, I, I think it's a lot of fun. And the next one, oh. the next one. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being one of my favorites. Really? Um, so we we were I don't remember if we were on mic or not. Uh I mentioned that like in a couple of my breakdowns I've kind of mocked when the weird uh umbrella stuff happens. Yeah. But I feel like I missed some of the weird umbrella stuff in this movie. Yeah. And if I recall, I think the next one like I, I think we go back to the hive. Like, I think it is like. <laughs> what? I can't like, remember at all. And like, like characters that are straight up dead come back. Oh, um, that's exciting. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this next one because I, I think it's one of my favorites. <clears throat> and that is uh, Resident Evil colon Retribution. Retribution. For what? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the seventh movie in the franchise. Resident Evil colon. Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, I remember, you know, I, I have, I have literally zero recollection. I, it's like, as I sit down to watch it, it will start to fall back into place. Like at the beginning of this one, I was like, wait a minute. This was the 3D one, wasn't it? And then a couple other memories came back. And then prior to that, I was like, this is the one with the firestorm or whatever. So yeah. I'm excited to sit down with this one, you know, uh, 
I vaguely remember what you're talking about. I feel like clones are once again involved or something, but I can't like, I can't put the place, I can't like put the pieces back in place. So let's go back to the hive. Let's go. I feel like there's some virtual reality-ish stuff uh, and some like, some uh, like Oded Fair is definitely back. Oh, uh, okay. And I think maybe Michelle Rodriguez comes back in the next one. I can't what? remember. Yeah. It's wild, dude. Where was he in this movie? Because he didn't die. No, wait, did he die? He did die. He did die. He drove the truck into the thing and blew up. Okay. Yeah. That's it. So he. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, two characters that we, like, saw die on screen are just totally back. Incredible. Yeah. Umbrella truly has a plan for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. That that is very exciting. Uh, we're quickly coming to the end here. We have two yeah. left, but uh, Resident Evil Retribution is up next. So, if you are watching along, get that one ready and <laughs> stay uh, tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Eric, until then, where can people keep up with you on the internet? Uh, I am on all socials at Platypus Jones, uh, mostly Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then, you know, as we mentioned, the 12 and 24 Discord is a uh, good place to look for me. Um, if you work with me and are listening, I am not checking that during working hours. Um, I wouldn't let him. Uh, Otherwise, uh, the rest of you, come on down to uh, the 12 and 24 Discord. Yeah, we talk about uh, the, the various shows. You know, uh, We've got Kurt Russell going on. We still talk about Keanu Reeves. Uh, we've got a, a channel for the rewatch and then you know, a bunch of miscellaneous channels. Talk about whatever you want. Um, you know, in post-pandemic America, the one thing I miss about hanging out with friends is talking about movies. It's a good place to do it. So Yeah. I feel similarly. That's uh that's all in the show notes, you know, 1224.com slash Discord. But we make it easy for you. Get in here. Have some fun. It's great. Andrew, where the hell are you on the internet? Where aren't I on the internet? <laughs> it's actually I was thinking about it the other day. My presence has shrunk I'm like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Driving. Um, Twitter is where I go to yell about clouds and stuff like that. Um, Instagram, I post stories occasionally, mostly about the food I'm making. Uh, if you want to, I've been doing this thing where I go to random people's LinkedIn. So if you friend me on LinkedIn, I will endorse you for uh, whatever skill you have the least endorsements for. I will endorse you for that. <laughs> All right. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to do that to people I haven't spoken with in 10 years. I will go <laughs> to their page and I will endorse them for, let's say, Cold Fusion, right? <laughs> Which is a technology that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and they're like, why did you do that? And um, I don't respond. I and then just boom, you're friends again. No. <laughs> You never speak to them again. Right. It's, <laughs> it's All a, right. I'm an agent of chaos. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know when I, I don't know why I started that, but 
It's been a lot of fun. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I will endorse you. I'll write a recommendation. It will not be an appropriate <laughs> recommendation. You probably will not approve it, but I will write it. Spoken like someone who works for themselves. <laughs> and how. Okay. <laughs> That's it. We did it. Thank you all for joining us. I'll see you on LinkedIn. And remember, just one bite, one scratch from these creatures is sufficient. Stay safe out there. Bye.